Welcome to Lompoc Foursquare Church's podcast. Enjoy the message. Good morning. It is honestly so good to be with you all this morning. My name is Caden. Like Tyler said, I am our youth and our young adults pastor, so I get to hang out with all of the fun people. I'm just kidding. You guys are way more fun. You guys are awesome. Um, I'm really excited about this morning. I'm really excited about today as we jump into Galatians chapter 3. Who's loved this Galatians series so far? It's been good. It's been challenging. It's been good. It's been eye-opening. And and it's just going to get more challenging and more intense and more eye-opening. Are we ready? ready? All right. Well, Pastor John has done such a great job walking us through the book of Galatians so far. And today we're, we're in the beginning of Galatians chapter 3. So if you have your Bibles, open it up to Galatians. We're starting in verse 1. And just like Pastor John has been doing, I'm going to read our whole passage of Scripture and then we're going to break it down throughout the rest of the time. Cool? Cool. cool. All right. Galatians chapter 3, starting in verse 1. And Paul's going to start out pretty intense. Are you ready? You foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified. I would like to learn just one thing from you. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by believing what you heard? Are you so foolish? After beginning by means of the Spirit, are you now trying to finish by means of the flesh? Have you experienced so much in vain if it really was in vain? So again I ask, does God give you his spirit and work miracles among you by the works of the law or by believing what you heard? So also Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. Understand then that those who have faith are children of Abraham. Scripture foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles by faith and announce the gospel in advance to Abraham. All nations will be blessed through you. So those who rely on faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. For all, those, for all who rely on the works of the law are under a curse, as it is written, cursed is everyone who does not continue to do everything written in the book of the law. Clearly no one who relies on the law is justified before God because the righteous will live by faith. The law is not based on faith. On the contrary, it says the person who does these things will live by them. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us, for it is written, cursed is everyone who is hung on a pole. He redeemed us in order that the blessing of Abraham, that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Christ Jesus so that by faith we might receive the promise of the Spirit. Amen? Okay, what a start. Thank you, Paul. (laughs) Paul's just like, you know what? I'm just going to slap you in the face real quick. You ready? He's like, you foolish Galatians. Like, wow. Can you imagine being the guy who like got the letter handed to him and he opens it up and he reads, you foolish Galatians. And he's like, oh, here we go. Let's do this. We're going to get back to to the word foolish in just a second. But these next 60 verses, I'm obviously not going to go over all 60 verses with us right now. But these are some of Paul's strongest writings that he's ever penned on paper. Like Paul is just going 
at the Galatians and, and, and correcting them in a loving way, but also trying to get them to remember certain things. And, and as we know from previous weeks studying Galatians, it's because he's in a theological battle. He's in a battle to prove that salvation is by grace and by grace alone. Nothing else. Everybody say nothing else. Grace and grace alone. His opponents in this battle have been using every possible means to lead the church in Galatia astray. His opponents are trying to get them to believe something that Paul has never taught or preached. And this is what I love about Paul, and this is what I've loved about going through the book of Galatians so far, is he's never going to fight them half-hearted. Paul is like the farthest person away from going like, I'm just going to go at this 50%. No, Paul's like, I'm going at this 100%. These guys are wrong. I need to like retell you what the gospel message means, and I am going to take these guys out. Why? Because one, Paul understood that the gospel in eternity was at stake. And to Paul, that was worth fighting for. And two, Paul was no amateur when it came to debating and to arguing. He's about to prove his skills here in these next couple of chapters in Galatians. And as I was reading this and, and knowing that Paul's like stepping into an argument or stepping into a debate, it made me think, does anybody know that person who just loves to argue? Like, I'm going to argue just to argue. Anybody? I heard chuckle, so clearly like everybody's like, yep, I know exactly who that person is. But they're like, they're, they're so, how do I say this? These people just love to argue because they truly believe that they're right most of the time, even though most of the time we know that they're, they're not right. Um, especially when I'm the one arguing, I'm like, you're wrong, I'm right. Let's move on with it. But I want to be clear before I say this next part. Paul is not arguing just to argue. Paul was arguing for the truth of the message and not just to argue. He argued because he knew how important the truth of the gospel was. But again, as I was preparing, I could not get this old youth student that I had out of my head. His name was Will. Um, Will argued to argue anything. It's like hash browns or home fries. I'm like, hash browns. He's like, you're wrong. I'm like, okay, my, God clearly messed up when he created my taste buds, so you're right. But he would just argue to argue, and, and, and this kid was so good at it. Like, he was so good at arguing. You'd be like, I guess you're right. I guess you're right. I'm done arguing with you, so you're right. But I was so convinced that Will and Tyler and Will were like best friends. So Tyler probably would understand this, but I was convinced that this kid was going to be a lawyer. Like so good at arguing, needed to just argue and debate with people. And he was so good at it. I'm like, you're going to be a lawyer. This is your calling. This is who you're meant to be. Go and argue with people for the rest of your entire life. That is what you need to do. He's not going to be a lawyer. He actually wants to be a pastor. So, <laughs> Good luck if you end up at his church. <laughs> I'm, not just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. But I was convinced. Lawyer was top choice. But even when he knew he was wrong, right? We all know this person. You're like, you're wrong. You're wrong. Even when he knew he was wrong, he would debate and argue. And there were multiple times where I had to look at him in small group settings and be like, I just need you to leave. You're not helping the small group. You're not helping any of us. You come back next week. You're done. Because he would just argue. And I remember so many times looking at him dead in the eyes and being like, William, because I'd use his full name when he was being like this. I'd be like, 
Stop. You're wrong. Own it. Repent of it. You're wrong. <laughs> but maybe some of you hear the will character in your life. Maybe that will character for you is your spouse. Sorry. I'll get to that in a second. Or your child, or your best friend, or your coworker, or, or somebody you just know who loves to argue. To argue, Courtney and I are both very strong-willed, stubborn people, and we argue just to argue. <laughs> I love you, <laughs> but I can be that way in in specific times in our marriage where I'm like, I'm just going to argue because I'm not going to succumb to this victory of hers, and I'm just going to be stubborn and strong-willed, and I don't care if she's right. I'm right. Anybody ever? Anybody? I do always win the arguments, though. But does anybody know that debater, that that person who loves to argue, or maybe like the wordsmith, where you're like, I don't even know what you're saying, but you sound right right now. <laughs> but we need people who can argue, for the sake of what's right. And in this case, we needed somebody to argue for for the truth of the message, the truth of the gospel. We need people who are well versed in God's word and can defend it when people try to lead others astray towards something that's not God's word or in God's word. Can you imagine if Paul just chose not to argue on this issue? Probably we wouldn't be reading it right now, but what could have happened to the church in Galatia? What would have happened if he just brushed it under the rug and let it slide? What would have happened? We don't know. But Paul obviously doesn't do that, and he comes out swinging in verse 1, and he says, you foolish Galatians. So remember, a little bit farther back is, is Paul was kind of going at the people who were trying to lead the Galatians astray. Now he's turning his attention back to the, the church of Galatia, and he looks at them, and he's like, you foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? That's strong language, which means they were probably doing something wrong, <laughs> I've never had somebody look at me and be like, you foolish Caden, and then me not been doing something wrong, right? But I want to be clear is that we can't confuse this word foolish with the same word that Jesus used on the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus says, never call somebody a fool. Paul here is not calling them a fool. He's calling them foolish because they're living spiritually dull. So when the translation literally means spiritually dull. So he's coming at them because they're forgetting about how they were saved. They're forgetting about where they came from. Now Paul is going to come at this argument to the Galatians with two arguments to prove that God saves sinners through faith over the next 14 verses that we're going to go through. And the first one is this. Paul makes it personal. Paul makes it personal, but before you're think like he's going to make it personal by attacking them personally. He's not going to go at them on a personal level. He's going to try to get them to remember what Jesus did for them. He's going to try to remember that moment of salvation. So he, he goes at it from a personal level. The Jews from Jerusalem had come in and convinced the Galatians that their experience was not complete, that they needed Jesus and something else. Now, for them, it was obviously the law, but for us, what is that Jesus plus something else in our life? And, 
And before you're like, oh, that's not me, we all tend to add things to Jesus when we're not supposed to add things to Jesus, which we're going to get to in a little bit. But, but when Paul is talking to them, he's referring to the law like Pastor John has been teaching us over the last couple of weeks. These, these false teachers had come in and, and bewitched them, led them astray. And basically what Paul is saying, he's turned them into foolish people. They've become spiritually dull. They've lost their childlike faith in Jesus. So Paul here in the beginning of chapter 3 is reminding them that they had already experienced God in, a, in the fresh, right way that they were supposed to experience God. Nothing else was needed to be added. Nothing else needed to be with their salvation moment. It was Jesus and Jesus alone. And Paul's trying to look at them and be like, you're already saved. You're saved. You don't need the law. You're good. Jesus has already saved you. This is why Paul debates with these three things. The first one being this, they saw God the Son. Galatians 3.1, he says, you foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified. That's the message. It was Christ and Christ crucified that Paul had preached to the church in Galatia. And Paul had done that with such effectiveness that the people in Galatia could almost see him crucified. He presented it so well to them that the people could almost see it with their own eyes. He preached clearly. He preached with effectiveness. He preached it with such a confidence that there was no denying Jesus and who he was to the church in Galatia. But somehow, they had still gone astray. But at the beginning, they heard this truth. They believed it and they obeyed it. And as a result, Paul is arguing, you were born into the family of God. This is the salvation message and call. We hear the gospel and we respond to it, and that's how we're saved. Not by works of the law, not by other things added on. And Paul's looking at them and be like, just remember, like you saw Jesus, you've met Jesus, you've been with Jesus, you don't need this. And the second thing is this, is they received the Holy Spirit. They received the Holy Spirit, verse 2 says, I would like to learn just one thing from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by believing what you heard? Are you so foolish? After beginning by means of the Spirit, are you now trying to finish by means of the flesh? Have you experienced so much in vain if it was really in vain? The Holy Spirit is mentioned 18 times throughout this, this letter, this epistle, and it plays an important part in Paul's defense of the gospel of grace. Paul asks an, an important question. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by believing what you heard? And we know that there's only one correct answer to Paul's question. The Spirit came upon them because they trusted Jesus. They believed what they heard and they trusted Jesus. We had summer camp, obviously, this last summer. And this was one of the best camps I think I've ever been to. We had these two speakers who, whose names were Yaz and Mo. One of them spoke in Spanish and the other one, the other one translated. And at first you're like, ah, this is going to be, I don't know how this is going to work, but they were so good. And they opened it up, and they had this, this series that they went through over the, the, the four days that we were there, and, 
and they preached the gospel with, with effectiveness. It was clear, it was tangible, and they gave students an opportunity to respond and say yes to Jesus. And then on the last night, which people at church camp like to call the Holy Spirit night, um, they weren't too hype about it, and they didn't make it weird. I've never seen camp pastors or camp speakers make the gifts of the Spirit so applicable to students. They explained them, they went through the list, they explained every single one, and they said, what we're gonna do is if that's a gift that you want, you can raise your hand and we can pray for you to receive it and it to be activated in your life. And that was it. And let me tell you the beauty of that room when you heard people getting healed, when you heard people being emotionally healed, physically healed, the gifts becoming, the, the students receiving the gifts and them operating in the gifts, and it's because they made it so simple. Because they made it so applicable to these students. They didn't have to perform or do anything first in order to receive the Holy Spirit. All they needed was faith. All they needed was a response of saying yes to Jesus and asking the Holy Spirit to come upon them by faith. That's it. That was it. God does not withhold his spirit from people based on their works or based on their performance. Oftentimes, I see in students and adults this internal pressure that they need to stop sinning and be better. They just need to stop sinning and be better, and then you can receive the Holy Spirit, and he'll work through you. But that's just not true. The second we say yes to Jesus, that the Holy Spirit enters us and starts operating through us. You don't have to stop sinning and be better. It's like what Pastor John said last week. We don't have to change our behavior before choosing to follow Jesus by change our behavior before choosing to follow Jesus by faith or before receiving the Holy Spirit. It is once we have declared Jesus as the Lord of our life through salvation and have, and have been transformed by his spirit, out of that place, our behaviors and our thoughts change out of a response for our love for Jesus. It's so important that we understand the work of the Holy Spirit in salvation and in Christian living. The Holy Spirit convicts the lost sinner and reveals Jesus to them. The Holy Spirit transforms hearts and minds from which we live transformed. And since the Holy Spirit does so much for believers, that means we as believers have the responsibility to the Holy Spirit as well. Galatians 5, which we're going to get to in a couple weeks, so I'm not going to touch it touch on it a lot, but it tells us to walk by the Spirit, to walk with the Spirit, to stay in step with the Spirit. This doesn't and I want to be clear, you can't lose the Holy Spirit, but you can quench the Spirit. If you're not walking with the Holy Spirit and walking in alignment with God's will for your life and obeying him, it can get quenched, but you can never lose it. Third thing is they experienced miracles. Verse 5 says, so again I ask, does God give you his spirit and work miracles among you by the works of the law or by believing what you heard. Paul's saying, have you forgotten about all of the incredible things that you've seen me do through, through the church in Galatia? Have you forgot the, the miracles that you've seen, the, the beautiful things that you've seen? And he looks at him and he asks, is that because of the law or is that because you believed in Jesus? 
The same Holy Spirit that was given to you when you accepted Jesus as your Savior is the same Holy Spirit that is continuing to work within you and through you so that the body can be built up. So that the people of God can be built up. And what Paul is saying is that this is done by faith. Everybody say faith not by works of the law. The phrase among you can also be translated to within you, which means the miracles that Paul is referencing are not only the ones for everybody to see, but also the the ones that are happening within the believers in the church of Galatia. There were miraculous transformations happening within the believers and through the believers and with uh, or among the believers. These believers were seeing signs and wonders, but they were also having incredible transformation within themselves because of the power of the Holy Spirit, not because they were following the law. Another camp story. Not really a camp story, a camp illustration. I was thinking about this. Like, you want to be that person, right, who you read this and you're like, I can't believe the Galatians would forget about those miracles. Like, I can't believe they would forget about the experiences that they had with Jesus and they would just forget about it and lay it aside and they would move on and they would start doing other things and adding to Jesus. But it's so funny. I've been going to camp for quite a few years now and, and you see these students' lives transformed. You see, you see healings, you see miracles, you see God move in crazy, awesome ways through the lives of these students and even through the lives of, lives of the stu- or the leaders. And you, you get on the bus and you start heading home and you're like, I'm never going to forget about this moment, right? You're like, I'm never going to forget about it. God is so real. God is moving so powerfully. And, and this moment that I've experienced, it's ingrained in my brain forever and I'm never going to forget it until a couple months go by. And I realized that we can't really criticize the Galatians because it happens with us too. It's easy to forget about the good moments that God has done, the miracles that God has done in our lives because a little bit of time goes by. The busyness of life picks back up and and all of a sudden that, that amazing experience with God has kind of moved to the back of your head and you've almost forgotten about it. So Paul argues in this section, don't forget about your personal experiences. Don't forget about the good of what God has done for you. Don't forget about the miracles that God has given you in your life and taken you out of and and saved you from. Don't forget about these things because they're important. And his second argument is this, is that he uses scripture. He uses scripture. Paul shifts his attention from the personal experience to prove a point, and now he's transitioning to, you know what, I'm just going to prove it with Scripture. We're going to go back to the Old Testament. I'm going to prove to you what I'm arguing here. And the first thing is this, is Abraham was saved by faith. He brings Abraham into the conversation in verse 6, and he says, so also Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. Understand then that those who have faith are children of Abraham. I mean, honestly, let's ask ourselves a question here. Do we see anybody throughout Scripture who is saved because of how awesome they are and how awesome their service is and how awesome their their works are? Do we see anybody in Scripture who is saved because of how cool they are and how big their resume is? I look at Peter and I'm like, your resume is like this. But you had faith. You had faith in God that God was going to do amazing things in and through you. And it's not a 
God has never loved anyone more or less because of the work that they do or because of the things that they do. God loves us regardless because we are saved by faith through grace. Faith is why Abraham was credited as righteousness, not the things that he did, but the trust that he had in God and that he kept in God even when things got really hard. It was his faith that kept him going. Paul's second point is this, is is salvation is for the Gentiles. Verse eight says, scripture foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles by faith and announced the gospel in advance to Abraham. All nations will be blessed through you, so those who rely on faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. Paul quotes Genesis 12.3 and proves that from the very beginning of Abraham's relationship with God, the blessing of salvation has always been promised to all nations and all people. God shared the good news with Abraham centuries ago and Paul brought that same good news to the Galatians that sinners are justified through faith and not by keeping the law. And the logic here is, is evident. If God promised to save the Gentiles by faith, then these people who are coming into the church of Galatia trying to lead them astray are the ones trying to corrupt the gospel and they were wrong. So Paul's looking at the church of Galatia and being like, this is, like, look at it. This is it. You're, like, the people who you've been talking to and who've been leading you astray and telling you that you need the law to be saved are wrong. It's never been about that. It's always been about who? Jesus. And the moment that you had with Jesus and the experience that you had with Jesus. And the third point is this, is that salvation comes through Christ alone. Everybody say Christ alone. Verse 13 says, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed, cursed is everyone who is hung on a pole. He redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come through to the Gentiles through Christ Jesus, so that by faith we might receive the promise of the Spirit. These two verses beautifully summarize all that Paul has been saying in this entire section. Salvation could never come from obedience from the law. The law brings a curse, not a blessing, because we can't fulfill the law, only Jesus could. Do you want the blessing of Abraham? It comes through Christ in Christ alone. Do you want the gift of the Spirit, but you're a Gentile like us? The gift is given through Christ to the Gentiles through Christ alone. There's no reason to go back to anything else, and that's what Paul is arguing in this letter. There's no reason to go back to anything else. You already have Jesus. It's always been Jesus. It'll always be Jesus. It can never not be Jesus. It's always salvation through Christ and Christ alone. That's it. That's what Paul is arguing in this section of Scripture. And it's the same for us. Salvation is through Christ alone. Jesus is the only way that we're saved. What are you adding to your faith? What are you adding to your relationship with Jesus? What are you adding to how you walk with Jesus? Because I'm trying to figure out if I want to say this or not. (laughs) There are people in this room who think they're saved because they come to church every Sunday. Or most Sundays. 
Scripture doesn't say that our lives are transformed and that we get to, to live eternally with Jesus because of our church attendance. Although coming to church and being involved in the body of, of Christ contributes to our faith. We know that, we see it, we see the fruits of that, but, but that's not how we're saved. Scripture does not say that God so loved the world that he sent his son Jesus to create a system of church attendance for our salvation. Scripture does not say that God so loved the world that we might be saved through the waters of baptism. Water baptism is an outward expression of an inward work that Jesus has already done in our hearts and in our lives, but it's not a means of salvation. You were saved before that. Scripture does not say that God so loved the world that we could earn salvation through being a good person and choosing to do the right thing. It's good, but it's not how we're saved. Scripture does not say that God so loved the world that he gave us his word to prove that the world that we are associated with is a faith practice. It's not enough to know God's word because it does not save us because even Satan knows God's word. No, the Gospel of John tells us this. It tells us that all who have received Jesus, all who have received Jesus, who have believed in his name, have been given the right to be called children of God. What scripture say? All who believe, all who put their trust in Jesus, all who put their faith in Jesus, all who make Jesus the one and only in their life instead of the one of many, it's Jesus. It's always been Jesus. It's Jesus and nothing else. But we as human beings get so good at adding things to what Jesus has already said, to what Jesus has already done, to what Jesus is willing to do for the world. Like we add things to him and he's looking at us from the sidelines and he's like, I already gave you me. We're saved through the person of Jesus. God so loved the world that he sent us his son that all who believe in him will have eternal life. You have to walk with the person of Jesus. Faith is choosing Jesus over the hard moments in your life. Faith is choosing Jesus when your kids aren't living the way that you want them to live. Faith is choosing Jesus when you lose everything in your life. Faith is choosing Jesus no matter the situation or the circumstance that you're walking in. Faith is choosing Jesus, believing in Jesus, and believing what he did for you. That's the faith that saves us, and that's the faith that keeps us going. What I've realized in my walk with Jesus is that it's a constant battle of denying myself. It's a constant battle in denying the desires of my flesh and choosing to live by the Spirit and walking in step with the Spirit and having faith in Jesus. Jesus has to be my first and my only love above everything else. And that can be hard sometimes because there's some things in the world that we can love deeply. I love my wife, but I'm a better husband because I love Jesus more. I love my kid and my soon-to-be kid, but I'm a better father because Jesus is number one in my life. I'm a better friend because Jesus. I'm a better co-worker because Jesus. I'm a better everything in my life because I'm putting Jesus at the forefront of who I am. 
So my question for you this morning is, is the Lord asking you to release an add-on? Is the Lord asking you to release something that you've either been giving level playing ground with that thing and with Jesus, or you've added something to Jesus? I have to, I can only be a follower of Jesus if I do this, if I dress like this, if I talk like this, if I act like this. What do you need to release? Jesus wants your heart. (laughs) Jesus wants a relationship with you, not a church attendance or a resume of good deeds. He wants relationship with you. He wants to walk with you. He wants you to pursue him. And and I know it's easy to do this in our walk with Jesus where we add things onto our faith that, that maybe make us feel good about where we're at or make us feel good about how we're following Jesus. Like, did you see how many chairs I stacked the other day at youth group? That's like how guys flirt with girls in youth group, by the way. See how many chairs I stacked? What have you been adding to your faith? What have you been adding to Jesus? What do you need to confess and surrender to the Lord and get back to the basics of being in relationship with him personally and with Jesus alone. What do you need to let go of? As I was praying during worship in the first in the first service, I really felt like the Lord was was leading me to, to pray for people in this kind of way. So I want to ask you to close your eyes and bow your heads and and I want to ask you this this question is Maybe you've been following Jesus for a little bit of time or maybe you've been following Jesus for a really long time and you've, and you've forgotten about that moment you had with him. You've forgotten about that moment that he saved you, that he brought you out of the pit and brought you into his saving grace. Maybe you forgot about that moment where his radical transformation came over you and your life was forever changed. Maybe you forgot about those early moments where Jesus just did so much for you. And I felt like the Lord wanted me to ask you, do you wanna go back to the beginning? Do you wanna remember what that moment was like with me? Do you wanna remember that moment where I saved you, where I transformed you, where I changed you, where I was with you, where you felt me in a new and a fresh way? Do you want that feeling again? Because I haven't gone far, I'm still here. And if that's you, I would just love for you to raise your hand so we can pray this morning. Yeah. My hand is up too. Well, Lord, we, we say thank you for the boldness. We say thank you for who you are and everything that you've done for us. Because Jesus, it's always been about you. It's always been about who you are, what you've done for us, the way you changed this world. Jesus, it's always been about you. So right now, God, I ask that that those of us in the room who just want to feel that moment where we were at the beginning with you, where you changed our life for the better, Lord, would you remind us of the, of the miracle that that was in our life? Would you remind us of the goodness that you brought to us? Would you remind us that you took us out of darkness and you brought us into the light, Jesus? Would you remind us of maybe how our life was pre-Jesus and how it is now because of you? Life may still be hard, Jesus, but it's better because you're in it and it's better than it could have ever been when you weren't. So God, remind us of who you are. Remind us of the good things that you do in and through our lives, Jesus. 
And God, help us to always remember when we feel separated from you that you're right there and you want to remind us of how good you are. God, would you be with us? Would you, would you strengthen us? Would you uphold us? Would you remind us that, that it's Jesus and Jesus alone? It's Jesus plus nothing. And would you help us follow you to the best of our ability even when we mess up? And would you show us the same grace that you showed the church in Galatia? Sometimes we just need to be corrected back onto the right path. So Lord, we trust you, we worship you, and we praise you, and it's in Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. We hope you enjoyed today's message. Please visit us at mylfc.com for more information about our church. Thank you so much for listening.